My name is Emily Jamison, and I will be your host for The Collaboratory. This listening prayer experience is meant to be largely experimental, in the sense that we will collaborate together, tamper with ideas of life and faith and God, and we will form new hypotheses, adjusting along the way. There are no dead ends in a laboratory, but only new ways forward. I cannot wait to journey together. Today is going to be fun. I have a hunch that God has a great sense of humor. I mean, who else would design a giraffe or an otter or a belch or flatulence or all the other things that bring great hilarity to life? I mean, this God that we serve, that we are designed by, must have a great sense of humor. I can only imagine that when Jesus walked the earth, in the midst of all the seriousness of saving the world, he also experienced belly laughter and the joy of food and the silliness of children and an expertly delivered joke. Joy and sorrow deeply mingled. It's the glory of the human experience. And we are made in the image of God. Thus, laughter and humor must be a part of who he is. I wonder if often we come to prayer all too serious. We approach God and the first things we ask are big life questions. God, what did you make me for? Where do you want me to live? Why is there suffering? Who do you want me to marry? Where should I go to school? These are great questions. Ask them by all means. But I have found that if I start here or stay here, then I experience quite a bit of silence. Waiting seems to be the theme in answer to big life questions. And when we don't get a response and we think, well, he doesn't speak, we stop talking. We let the enemy lie to us and convince us that we cannot hear him or that God is not speaking, or worse, that God does not care. But just imagine with me for a moment. Perhaps you're on a first date, you're with someone and you're just getting to know them and all you want to talk about is your future and your dreams and whether or not you have a life together and your life's purpose, what they envisioned for you and what they could do for you. Even if they entertained some of those questions for a few moments, they might think, wow, you're coming on a little strong, you know. They might get quiet or might change the subject. Perhaps they might say, how about if we get to know each other first? How about a game of would you rather? I think sometimes we experience silence with God when we're asking the wrong questions. We are inquiring about things that we're not meant to know about right now. Again, don't stop asking those questions. Just don't make that your only mode of conversation. Perhaps allow yourself some lighter fare, moments to get to know each other, a little banter. And so I wonder if we might do this very thing. Might we engage in a very silly listening experiment? We are in a laboratory after all, and I would imagine that there are very odd experiments that happen in laboratories. And if there is no wrong way to do this thing, then let's see if we might discover a new way forward. First, for some context. It was a few years ago. I was at a women's conference, and two women, both named Kathy, they've become dear friends and mentors, the Kathys, if you will, had discovered listening prayer a few decades previous. They were in their mid-40s. They were in a women's Bible study, suburban housewives, sharp and curious, but admittedly a bit superficial in their faith. And they came across this little book about hearing from God, and they began to experiment together in their living room. And what was sort of a dull and not very exciting faith became quite exciting indeed. Fast forward a handful of years, and they were traveling and teaching together. They had witnessed miracles and healing. The most lovely and deep and lighthearted duo, they were teaching at this weekend retreat, where I was actually offering the morning devotions. And just after breakfast, I would tuck into the main session where I heard them unpack so beautifully listening prayer. 
one of the Cathy's invited us to a listening experiment that I thought was absolutely ridiculous. And yet it proved to be quite profound. And so I thought we might do it together. The scriptures say that we are created in the image of God. That said, I trust that every part of us was created in order to communicate with, to commune with God. Our imaginations were given to us for good reason. 400 some odd times in the scripture, God says to behold the Lord. How are we meant to behold something, to look upon something, someone that is invisible? And yet God has given us this incredible faculty, our imagination, to hold in our mind's eye something that is beyond our physical reality, beyond our present moment. We can drum up memories in our imagination, future realities, new inventions, fantastical scenarios, terrible doomsday circumstances. We can use our imagination in glorious ways. We can lend it to the Lord and ask him to paint on it like a canvas, or we can lend it to the enemy. We do this every day with a little question, what if? And the enemy is thrilled to dish up all sorts of juicy scenarios that flood us with worry and cortisol and stress our bodies and amp our emotions. He is an ass. We will talk about the schemes of the enemy more in the future, but for now, may I invite you to take back your imagination, to stop handing it unwittingly to a fearmonger who is happy to destroy you from the inside out by answering that little question, what if, in the worst way possible. Enough of that. Let's lighten things up. Here is the exercise that Kathy took us through that day. And so for our purposes, I want to invite you to engage your imagination, to lend it to the Lord, so that we might experience the living God together. I trust that God has given us our imagination for good reason. Our imagination is beautiful, amazing. Think of your imagination as a canvas, a blank canvas of sorts. I can invite you to paint upon the canvas of your imagination just by saying a word, a suggestion, images would appear. I'm going to do just that. I would love for you to imagine a zebra. I mean, just get a picture of a zebra. Maybe yours is cartoony or real, I'm not sure. But just imagine a zebra. And on top of your zebra, I would love for you to imagine a flamingo. Yes, a flamingo is riding on your zebra. And now, put some footwear on your zebra. Any kind of footwear. What is your zebra wearing on his or her feet? And now, atop the head of your flamingo, imagine some sort of headwear. A hat of some sort. What do you imagine? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Whatever's first and fast. Just notice. And now I invite you to ask this simple question of God. God, which one is you and which one is me? The very first sense that you get. Are you the zebra or are you the flamingo? Again, whatever comes first and fast, go with it. There's no wrong answer here. And now... Ask the God who knows every thought before you think it. What does that tell me about you? What does that tell me about me? I will tell you that when Kathy proposed this, I thought, my goodness, what are we doing? We have gone off the deep end. You might be thinking that now. That being said, let me just tell you what happened with me. As she asked that question, which one is you and which one is God, I got the sense very quickly that I was the zebra and that God was the flamingo. I don't know why I couldn't tell you. It's just what came to mind. It kind of hit me in the gut. And then when I asked God, what do you want me to know about that? Well, you have to understand that on the zebra's feet were combat boots. I've never worn combat boots in my life, but I was wearing combat boots as a zebra. And Jesus, well, he was wearing a party hat. I know, ridiculous. One of those little party hats with the streamers on top. 
And yet when I asked him why, this is what came into my imagination. Just this phrase, it is such a joy running into battle with you. It's a party. And I just thought, gosh, so much of my life feels very serious. And I love to laugh, but but when it comes to faith, I'm very serious. I, I so want to push back the darkness. I want people to experience the kingdom of God, his love, his goodness. And every time I step on a stage or sit across the table from a young woman I'm mentoring or gather in my living room with a whole bunch of student leaders, I have the incredible privilege to disciple. Every time I'm with my own children and I want them to understand the gravity of their faith. I feel like I'm at war in a sense. And yet this is a war that God has already won. And to him, there is such joy riding into battle with me. It's a party. There's already victory to be had. I'm accompanied by one whose weapon is joy. It was so profound. It only happened over a few moments in time, but I've unpacked it for years now. That simple picture told me something about God and it told me something about me. And it reframed how I even enter into different spaces when I feel like I might be in a battle, when it feels like it might be heavy or I'm carrying everything I realize, I remember that what I carry is the presence of the living God. And for him, it's a party. So often when I go into a space that I feel is overwhelming or beyond me, I sense that still small voice say, this is going to be fun. And so for you today, I just invite you to play with this analogy. Refrain from asking all the big, deep questions about where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do with your life. And perhaps this week, just play with these questions about what God might want you to know about him and about you, about your day today. God, what do you want me to do today? And whatever comes to mind, whatever comes first and fast, as long as it's not rob a bank or punch your neighbor, just be someone who responds. To obey is to hear and respond. And I've just decided that if it's not something egregiously, ridiculously wrong, if just a name comes to mind, I'll ask God, do you want me to pray? Should I call them? Should I gift them something? If a thought comes to mind to play a game with my son or clean up my kitchen, gosh, wouldn't that be a glorious thing to obey in? I think God more often than not has simple directives that lead me to love and service and honor for the people that are right around me in my very line of sight. What if I did just those things? Again, when my heart and mind are fixed upon Jesus, I trust that the free flow of thought that comes is most often his voice. And if it's good, glorious, helpful, uplifting, aligned with the scripture, if it sounds like the tone and the texture of Jesus' voice, if it might produce the fruit of the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, if it might release me in freedom, then I can trust it's Him. And even if it was just my idea, well, if the outcome is those things, then why not? I mean, after all, we are created in the image of the living God, and we've been given the mind of Christ, which means His thoughts reside in my thoughts, in our thoughts. And when our minds intermingle with the living God, then essentially, my hope, is that the impression of the God living in me would begin to spur in me ideas and thoughts and hopes that are in fact in alignment with the will of the one who made me, entangled in a way. And so come, let's listen and respond and experiment and love and laugh.